Hey there, folks. Welcome to a special Thanksgiving week edition of Fanbyte News. I am your host, head of Fanbyte Media, John Warren. Glad to have you back. We're not in the office this week, no. The fall sounds you heard at the top were taken in my backyard in Fayetteville, Arkansas, while my dogs frolicked in the leaves. It's vacation time, baby. This week, I welcome special guest, private chef, and friend of the brand, Liz Davenport, to the show to discuss the turkey day cooking. I also have wonderful news about Mortal Kombat. If you're not ready. Okay, sure, we can wait a little while on that one. Besides, we have a top story to get to. Late Tuesday, Square Enix, one of the largest game publishers in the world, announced the start of a work-at-home hybrid model it will roll out for its employees starting December 1st. According to the official post on the English-language Japanese Square Enix website, the program will designate two types of employees, home-based and office-based. Office-based employees will work in an office an average of at least three days a week, and there will still be a handful of employees, roughly 20% of the workforce, with this designation starting at the beginning of the month. Month. These designations will be based on specific needs of a position or department. That means that 80% of remaining employees will be home-based, meaning they'll work at home an average of at least three days a week. Square Enix was apparently looking into ways of, of expanding work from home before COVID-19's outbreak began, but the pandemic accelerated and clarified their plans. In June, an internal survey revealed 80% of employees had a positive response to working at home. The company has shipped a few games and several major content patches for Final Fantasy XIV during the pandemic and has appeared to grow more comfortable and confident with the situation, with fewer pushes and delays as the year has gone on. If folks are dissatisfied with their designation, they have an option to change or appeal the status on a monthly basis, making for a fairly flexible work environment. In addition to avoiding more spread of COVID-19 among its employees, the program will allow the company to recruit more diverse human resources and be more agile when world events or unforeseen circumstances change an aspect of office life. Of course, Square Enix also believes this move will ultimately increase the overall value of the company and subsidiaries. This is pretty major news. Uh, we've heard a few companies like Microsoft explore and expand work from home and remo remote work programs as the pandemic has worn on. But even as potential vaccines are merely months away from being rolled out, it appears some companies are thinking much more long term than that. Google and Facebook have made major decisions about this previously, but Square Enix is the major prominent publisher first to create a program this flexible and clear rather than implementing something vague and malleable from the top down. That extra flexibility might come in handy for the company because 2007's Nintendo DS cult classic The World Ends With You is officially getting a sequel next year. The sequel, called Neo The World Ends With You, will return to Shibuya for a new Reapers game with a new cast of characters in a 3D environment. Neo Tui will be out on PlayStation 4 and Nintendo Switch and will be playable with the PlayStation 5 hardware as well. Not a ton of details are present, but the 99 Potions crew, that's me, and uh, uh, my RPG pals, uh, discussed the original game and the sequel on this week's episode, so please go check that out at your earliest convenience. 
Comcast announced Tuesday that they will begin imposing a data cap on northeastern U.S. states for non-unlimited plan customers. The cap will be 1.2 terabytes of data, and Xfinity customers in other parts of the United States are already subject to this cap. Sub, uh, starting in March 2021, these northeastern customers will be charged $10 per 50 gigabytes they go over the cap, up to $100 or 500 gigabytes total. Xfinity customers will be notified as they approach the cap. Comcast says 95% of their customers don't come close to using the cap, which begs a lot of questions, frankly, about why they'd impose a cap at all, but whatever. Uh, they also say the median monthly data use for Xfinity customers has been roughly 300 gigabytes a month during the pandemic. With shifts in corporate strategy regarding work from home, as we previously reported, this median data spend could begin to grow. Comcast had been part of various forgiveness and leniency programs at the outset of the pandemic, but they now appear to be swinging drastically in the other direction. Shocker. Data caps are a sign of a failed state. That's not part of the story. That's just my small addition to it. Iowa Interactive showed off improvements to their Glacier engine this week for next-gen touches they're adding to the upcoming Hitman 3. To show off the improved physics and lighting and texture effects, they put Agent 47 in a new environment for the game set in the bustling city of Chongqing. The water technology is especially stunning, and the game engine can now support up to 300 NPCs in one setting with distinct behavior patterns for each character. Of course, the game will support next-gen staples like 4K and 60fps on PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X and S. The last-gen version of the game will not be a huge step down, of course, seeing as Hitman 1 and 2 were both impressive in their own rights. Last week, IO Interactive also announced they're working on a James Bond origin story, so expect to see a lot of these Glacier Engine bells and whistles show up in 007's next major video game. Hitman 3 will be out on basically every single device you can play a video game on uh, January 20th. Well, folks, it is the week of Thanksgiving, and I hope, for one, you are celebrating responsibly, whatever that looks like. Uh, for me, it looks like a very small small gathering with people I know have not been anywhere in weeks and weeks and weeks. Uh, and uh, for many, it's going to be digital. It's going to be over Zoom and things like that. And I totally respect that. But I have a lot of questions about Thanksgiving meal prep, and I have a lot of questions about Thanksgiving meal preferences. I have some weird tastes, some weird takes, and the folks who are over at fanbyte.com do too. So I wanted to go talk to an expert and the expert that I have is my friend, Liz Davenport, private chef in New York city and the proprietor of e2bakesbrooklyn.com. Hi Liz. Hi John. How are you? You know what? I'm good. And I'm, I'm busy because I am doing some of the cooking uh, this week. Um, but I, I, you, you have a lot of great recipes on your blog. First of all, and I, and I use them re religiously and I'll even talk about my favorite one in a little while. But I have questions. Do, do you do you love Thanksgiving? Do you love Thanksgiving food? First of all, I do love Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving food. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, this is actually my first year hosting. Oh, so. wow. That's yeah. surprising to me. So it's your first year Hosting, how, how big of a, well, I won't even ask how big of a group, but hosting and is a big deal. I'll tell you if you okay. want to know. I want to know. Um, 
it's four. Okay. Um, it's my little sister who's driving up from Virginia where she's been quarantining. And then my immediate pod, which is awesome. my three best friends in New York City. The pod. Yeah. Uh, yes. Awesome. 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 Uh, that's And a bunch cool. of dogs. <laughs> well, th- and you know what? Those count too. I'll tell you a very quick story. My... I remember one Thanksgiving, uh, I had a, a silky terrier, uh, you know, really tiny, I don't know, 12 pound dog. And none of us could just find her for a really long time. And we kind of got scared that she may have like just gotten out of the house. And then my mom opened the garage to find that she had at some point been let out there and had torn a hole completely in the trash bag that was holding the turkey carcass. And it just like obliterated it i mean that dog slept for about 72 hours after eating the entirety of basically what was left of a turkey carcass so oh my god so dogs definitely (laughs) count and they definitely have opinions about the food i feel like so um okay so what's the spread if you don't mind me asking okay so um again first ever thanksgiving uh that i've done myself my family has always eaten in restaurants we've always traveled for thanksgiving wow okay so um because my mother hates making it so (laughs) fair enough in order to keep everyone happy we just go on vacation yeah fair enough (laughs) but uh so this year i am making uh kenji lopez alt's uh turkey porchetta okay um i made a real porchetta last year for christmas and loved it it was super fun um so i'm doing the turkey version awesome um, i am going to change it up and use some of the porchetta spices from the uh post i did on my blog last year nice um because i can't help but mess with it um <laughs> and then i'm gonna do the fluffy dinner rolls from my site my mom's cranberry sauce uh a vegan gluten-free cornbread stuffing ah. Olive oil, mashed potatoes. A lot of the sides are vegan and gluten-free because one of my best friends is vegan and gluten-free and I want her to be able to eat stuff. That's very nice of you. That's amazing. Yeah. And then a vegan gluten-free ginger cake and at least one pie, probably two, knowing myself. But I'm going to – I have little tiny pie dishes, so they'll be small. Okay. Since you mentioned pie, because I have have questions about turkey, but I'm going to start with pie because why not serve a dessert first? I have a confession. I actually think pecan pie sucks, and I don't like pecan pie. Well, f- you. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But I have two. I have two questions. No, 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 it's fine. That's most people's reaction when I when I say that. But I have two questions. What am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong with pecan pie? I don't make them, but I consume so many of them that I feel like are bad. So, what makes a bad pecan pie? And then I have a follow up. Uh, too much goo. Yeah. Not enough pecans. That's that's kind of usually my deal. Is like it's usually a layer of pecans on top that kind of lies to you. It kind of lies to you, and and then underneath you cut in, and underneath the ice, so to speak, is just a bunch of uh, sugar goo that really doesn't have a lot of flavor typically. Yeah. Um. Sometimes it, or it's frequently too sweet. I yeah. add, um, I think it's two teaspoons. Maybe it might be two tablespoons. I don't remember of um, apple cider vinegar to mine okay. uh, to kind of cut the sweetness. I also oh. uh, use maple syrup, which is I think slightly less sweet than your usual dark corn syrup. Yeah. Um, okay. There's some brown sugar in there too, though, because it's Thanksgiving. Yeah, of course. Um, I also okay. think it helps not to be invested in how beautiful the top of that pie is. Like, oh yeah. No. 
stout flavor. Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, your food looks great, but I'll tell you what, most of the time that I make your recipes, they don't look great as I've just like, I've screwed something up, but they taste great. So I usually well, don't, you know, it's, it's not something I really care about all that much. So that's good. I only care about it because I have to. Yeah. So. Yeah. You take, you take way better photos than I do. I'll tell you that. Um, mm. Okay. So follow up, let's say I just want to give up on pecan pie. What's a good alternative. That's not pumpkin pie. Um, so the one that I'm most excited about this year is, uh, in terms of actual pie is I made a brownie pie, ah. which is literally a pie crust that you, um, fill with brownie batter. I used, <laughs> you know, a from scratch brownie batter from my site, but you could definitely use Duncan Hines or whatever makes you happy. Yeah. And then you bake it in there and then you have brownies and pie crust and it's pretty perfect. Dang. Uh, yeah, so that, I, I like that one a lot. Um, that sounds I good. Recently, remade an apple cranberry or cranberry apple pie uh, that I put on the blog. I think it was like my tenth recipe. It was a, I've done five hundred fifty now, so like wow, that was a long time ago. Um, but I recently remade that, and it is, you know, it, it's pretty good. That like I was good. surprised at how well it held up because, you know, I was just figuring things out at that point. Yeah. So that's amazing. Yeah. And one of your most popular recipes is a sweet potato pie, which I like, I actually prefer to like a traditional pumpkin pie. So yeah, I don't know. I mm -hmm. think that's a good alternative too. I love sweet potato pie. Definitely mm. agree with that. Also uh coconut custard pie is really good. And yeah. any of the buttermilk pies, like chocolate buttermilk pie, oh, yeah. or just, I did a vanilla one last year with a, uh, with an oatmeal cookie crust that's gluten-free and it is Ooh, delicious. That sounds really good. So, yeah. That's amazing. Okay, cool. I have, I have things to try. Um, okay. Let's talk Turkey because uh, you, you have already maybe answered my question a little bit because you're not making a super traditional Turkey. Uh, but there's a big debate at the site uh, on our Twitter account. Uh, one of one of my staffers, Nikki Grayson, hi Nikki, uh, commandeered our uh, our Twitter yesterday to just tweet "Turkey sucks," and um, then it started a very furious debate with within uh, our entire staff. Um, I think turkey is one of those things that, like, I I guess I just get the sense that most people just don't know how to make it because it is. When the one time I feel like I've had a traditional whole bird turkey that was made properly, it was like a majestic, uh, angelic chorus singing moment where like everything was great and nothing was nothing was wrong with the world and it was great. But I don't think I've ever really, besides that one time, I feel like I, I, turkey just everyone dries it out, everyone makes mistakes. I feel like what what are what are ways you can reduce the risk of drying out your bird if you're going to make it a traditional way um well i will tell you that i have never made a whole turkey before okay so uh, that, maybe that answers I've, my question maybe it's not worth yeah, it <laughs> i've made i uh have made a, i make at least one roast chicken a week so like i'm familiar with yeah. you know roasting a whole bird sure but um and i know what i would do if i were going to make a whole turkey but, um <laughs> But I've only had like one that was ever super great. And it was four years ago in 
my ex-boyfriend's stepmother made it and she was just like oh i just put some butter on it and threw it in the oven and i was like what witchcraft is this um like she's a great cook but i mean i was blown away but i've never had one that was good otherwise okay and um my little sister really hates turkey too but we're both like you know if you put enough herbs and garlic on something it's gonna be good so I figured the turkey porchetta and Kenji Lopez all he just he knows everything. So Yeah. Um yeah. Okay. Anyway, but yeah, <laughs> not much help when it comes to the whole bird. No, it's I mean it sounds like the advice is just don't do it. Do something else. Um Well, I just there's no point in I'm talking baking, cooking, any of it. If it's not fun especially in a year like this where everything truly sucks <laughs> yeah like if you're not gonna have a good time doing it you might as well just order a plate from whole foods or whatever <laughs> and go pick it up and or you know eat toast eat something that makes you happy <laughs> and that is low stress because it is not worth it to add one more minute of anxiety to this godforsaken nightmare of a year <laughs> Okay. Um, In that vein, I, I do have a, a, I, I solicited, I solicited questions from my Twitter followers. Someone asked, okay. can I just eat fried chicken instead of Turkey for Thanksgiving? Absolutely. Okay. Please do. And then like, send me some. Okay. Yeah. I, th- I thought that was the right answer, but I just wanted to relay the mm-hmm. message. Yeah. That sounds pretty good. I haven't fried chicken in a grip. I need to do that again soon. Um, yes. Also, you're the second person I've heard use the phrase a grip in the last <laughs> week after not hearing it for probably 15 years. It's making its rounds again. I feel like every, yeah. everything old is new again. We, we've all, yes. we've all been isolated and quarantining so long. We just started going back in time. Um, okay. Uh, all right. Someone else asked uh, what it, I'll, I'll, I'll paraphrase the question, but like, is there a good recipe or meal that you've had around Thanksgiving that like kind of flipped the script, did something more exotic or interesting than your traditional Thanksgiving sides or mains that you would, uh, you would maybe want to try or eat again? So, um, last year, uh, I, so I mentioned my sister lives in, uh, Virginia. My parents are still in Texas and I'm in New York. Um, so last year we all met I mean, it's not the middle, but we met in D.C. Yeah. Um, for Thanksgiving and ate at what I now know is a small chain called Osteria Morini. Mm-hmm. And um, it was great. All of the like they did have like the turkey and mashed potatoes and stuffing and all that business. But um, they also had this gnocchi with mm. butternut squash and mushrooms and some sort of truffle business. It was really good. Um, I've had a lot of really great Thanksgivings in restaurants um, uh, over the last several years. Like there's a restaurant in Boston that I hope is still there called Grisona that, um, you know, I don't know. It was just a completely pleasant dining experience. They did a, I put a no bake pumpkin pie on my blog on Friday. Like I did it in little tiny custard cups, but um I remember that they served that and it was usually when you go for a Thanksgiving at a restaurant or something like that, you know, it's the traditional Libby's pumpkin pie. So I liked right. that, they, that they kept it really casual and did something that's like, you know, pumpkin and the spices, but also 
cream cheese and heavy cream yeah. and yeah. they just threw it in a graham cracker crust and didn't think too hard about it. I okay. really appreciate that. Like you've had this really elaborate, beautiful meal and then something that is um, simple and down home and that your grandma would have made, Yeah, you know, so anyway that sounds good that's maybe that's a little too cheesy no but. no it's good that sounds very that's yeah it sounds good to me um all right what's a what's a side that you you couldn't go without with with kind of the thanksgiving milieu oh my god stuffing stuffing okay. i my little sister does not like it and she was in charge of the last several years she's the one who's made the reservation and then she's the one who ends up picking the menu and uh, that restaurant in Boston, Grisona, she didn't put stuffing on the menu. <laughs> and I, I mean. Unfathomable. I, Unfathomable. I could, I could have cried. And so when we got there, she was like, apparently I've committed a cardinal sin. Can we add to our order? Anyway, we, we did end up getting it. But I seriously was like, what is wrong with you? Like, you have to have stuffing or it's not Thanksgiving. <laughs> So, um, but yes. And so when I sent her the menu this year, I was like, I know you don't like this thing. So please don't comment on it. It's for me. It is not for you. It is for me. You bitch. <laughs> so. It's just my own little world of stuffing over here. Yeah, it's like, fair. this is my first Thanksgiving that I get to make. We are having. Yeah. Stuffing. Yeah, I, you get, I got a rain in the cursing. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's a, you're good. So. Um, yeah. I mean, listen, you have to do you, you have to chase your bliss. If you're going to make this big meal, I feel like you have to have stuff that you like. Yeah. I mean, my mom told me that like, you know, my mom's, my mom cooks, I don't know, five nights a week and she still does. Um, which is, I, that's insane. I don't understand that at all. I, I don't have the energy for that, but, um, I'm preaching. I'm, I'm you know, talking to the wrong crowd here. You, you both. Cook um, I ate cereal for dinner three nights last week. Perfect. I cook for other people, not for me. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, like, uh, I totally get it. You have to you have to make stuff for you and one of these big meals. All right, what's what's a side or element of the dinner that you could totally just snap your fingers? I hate gravy. Gravy. I hate it. Like kind uh, of like like the dark gravy. You hate that. I hate thick saucy things, particularly when they have dairy in them. Really? Um, okay. I will make them and I, I hate them less when I make them because I okay. you know can see the ingredients and I can appreciate it. And usually if I'm making it, I like the flavors that are in it already. Okay. Um, um, but yeah, gravy is not my thing. I hated it my whole life. White gravy, brown gravy, whatever. Wow. Um, that's, but I will a, that's, be making that's a shame because your biscuits are very good with, with gravy. I'll say that. Thank you. I like the chocolate gravy from my website. But oh that's my God. Yeah. That's <laughs> I don't think that goes with turkey. Um, no, probably not. But I am going to make gravy because there are people coming over who, I don't know, Thanksgiving is such a personal holiday. Right. And so there's a part of me that really wants to make the whole meal and like not let anyone help. But, you know, I'm not going to tell my friend whose grandma used to make some sort of fruit salad that's mostly Cool Whip <laughs> that she can't bring that i'm not going to tell her that and i'm not going to tell the one who wants to make green bean casserole that i'm eked out by the idea of uh you know it's 
creamy so like i obviously don't want it <laughs> so yeah yeah falls into the gravy category yeah um, i mean the green bean casserole thing is interesting too because like you know some I, i've had it where you know it's made with like you know cream and mushroom soup and velveta mm-hmm. and canned green beans oh god and so it's just that kind sounds of, so soft it's just kind of like a it's not great i'll say that it's just not like a a great kind of texture experience so yeah I but i know. understand the nostalgia I and do. again like thanksgiving is so personal yeah super so. personal super yeah. personal um mm-hmm. wow okay uh do you have any thanksgiving traditions that you you actually you know were pretty attached to um i mean our big thanksgiving tradition was always that we tr- that uh my family has gone on vacation for Thanksgiving since I was 11. God, that's honestly at this point in my life, that sounds like the dream. Yeah. We went to Santa Fe for a bunch of years and one year we went to England, um, had one year where like the beginning of where everybody was using the internet in like 1997, 1998, where like, my dad was lied to on the internet and told that we were staying at a really nice hotel and it was some dump in Newport <laughs> beach. Um, and we still had fun anyway. <laughs> yeah, sure. But, uh, but yeah, so we've gone on vacation pretty much every Thanksgiving, my whole life, like wow. unless I was with a significant other or whatever. Yeah. Um, so this will be a very weird one. Um, the one thing I remember from being a little kid when my mom used to make Thanksgiving is that she would always make artichoke dip and have it out when people arrived. And hers is, it's on, it's on my blog. Um, It's got like four ingredients in it. You can assemble it ahead and then just, you can either bake it off and cool it and microwave it the next day, or you can just, you know, put the cold pan in the oven. Yeah. And it is, both disgusting and amazing yeah, and uh sounds good you know we could just have that and some wheat thins and i would be very happy to call that thanksgiving yeah that so, sounds that sounds very good yeah so i mean i i wish i had more like concrete huh. thanksgiving memories but we all had a much better time if my mom was not having to baste a turkey and also talk to our relatives that came over you know yeah. twice a year yeah so yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, one question I know I, I'm I'm definitely curious about is uh, Thanksgiving is you know if you do see your family uh, I don't know it's been my experience that kind of the, the the booze does flow and I'm not I'm I've been kind of sober for a few years I know you have been too um, yeah. what's like a great I don't know fall kind of like non alcoholic drink you would kind of maybe concoct for something like this. Well, this will be a completely um, booze-free Thanksgiving. Nice. Um, just because the who, just because yeah. I'm in charge, and also, you know, gotcha. I guess. Um, but my older sister loves to make mocktails when yeah. I'm in Texas, and my dad doesn't drink too, so it's uh, all the rest of them have a little cocktail, and then she sure. has the best time, like putting weird stuff in martini glasses for us. That's amazing. Um, but she keeps it really simple. Yeah. Um, and I should probably mess with it more, but she, last year she did one that was like, uh, the fresh pressed apple cider, mm. a little bit of Topo Chico, a dusting of cinnamon and a, 
apple slice. And I know that that sounds so basic and also like oh. diluted apple juice, but it was delicious. Yeah, yeah sounds great. Um, and also she does one that's like, again, these are not, it's not revolutionary at all. Um, but uh, fresh ruby red grapefruit juice, which of course you can get in Texas. Yeah. Um, ruby red grapefruits are really hard to find in New York. Yeah, I bet. Um, <laughs> and then... Uh, one of those really fancy maraschino cherry, maraschino cherries, and um, Topo Chico. We really the, the Davenport's ascribed to. We we love Topo Chico. I've I've got um, it. I've got two cases of it in the corner of my office. So you're yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I keep I keep a big thing of it around. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I'm yeah probably do a bunch of that, and then just I will end up getting one of my giant Topo Chicos and just like drinking yeah. it out of the bottle like of a total course. weirdo i mean i do that too um, yeah I do so uh as a treat sometimes i'll shove a lime down in there like a corona or something but uh yes <laughs> but sometimes i sometimes mostly it's just it's just straight um can you tell can you describe why topo chico because i had someone ask me this the other day um i took a video so i took good, a video but- of i took a video about a 10 second video of me opening a topo chico just sitting there you know, with the fizz, can you describe why it's better than like other sparkling waters? It's the smaller bubbles. Yeah. And also since it's natural mineral water and not, you know, a soda stream or what, I don't know right. how they make regular seltzer. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they, um, they just jam CO2 into it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's just, it's got the light mineral taste. The bubbles are really small, but they're definitely there. Yeah. And also there's just something about the glass bottle. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, I haven't had a drink in seven and a half years. Yeah. And so everything, that, like if I'm not drinking water or coffee, like I don't, I don't really drink soda, but like yeah. everything comes in plastic these yeah. days. Yeah. So to have something like really cold that you can open a glass bottle, it's really good. Yeah. It feels um, premium. Yeah, it does. It's good. Yes. I go to Costco like once a month to stock up on butter. My, uh, my security blanket is 24 pounds of Kirkland brand unsalted butter. Hell yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, every time I go, I'm, I hope, I hope and pray that they have, uh, finally gotten on the Topo Chico train, but nothing yet. Yeah. That if, you know, if anyone at the Brooklyn Costco is listening, <laughs> you have an audience. I've still got. Um, I've still got to buy cases from like they they actually do stock it here at a couple of grocery stores in in Arkansas, which I was kind of surprised by. But um, but yeah, it feels like this region is starting to kind of notice. Um, and like Coke bought them, some kind of like. Mm-hmm. This should be everywhere at this point. I mean, I don't know. It's frustrating. Yeah, you can get it at taquerias and stuff here, yeah. but it's still even like a year ago. I I used to when dinner parties were a thing. I used to make a lot of them on Friday nights. Yeah, and um, people were always like, "What is Topo Chico?" And I have friends <laughs> who still call it Topo Chico. Like it doesn't have. It's not everywhere yet. Yeah, it doesn't um, have the cachet yet, which is frustrating. Yeah. But one of my friends who's coming over on Thursday, Arnab, he's from Austin. And uh, he was like, what's one thing that I can bring that I won't screw up? And I was like, just bring seltzers. And he was like, great. Got a case of Topo Chico. Because between <laughs> the five of us, we will each drink two. Yeah, <laughs> so, 100%. Yeah. yeah. That sounds amazing. 
uh liz thank you so much for for hanging out and chatting with us this is a, a major food holiday and you've you've definitely uh, uh i don't know helped help solidify some of my plans for this week so i appreciate it um thanks for having me john of course you can check out liz's blog at e2bakesbrooklyn.com that's e as an elephant to the numeral two bakesbrooklyn.com uh Real quick, I'll just say uh, the recipe I make of Liz's twice a year without fail is uh, her enchilada suisse's recipe. Uh, with, there's a ton of baked goods on it that I make, just like uh, cakes and cookies and uh, just a, a bunch of amazing stuff that I wish I could eat every day, but I can't. Uh, but then these enchilada suisses are um, – I, I don't eat a lot of leftovers in my life. I kind of say that I do. But then I don't, and I will make up a, a thing of that, and we'll just eat it for every meal, like I don't know, five days in a row. Um, it's one of my favorite things in the world. So thank you for perfecting that recipe. Makes so, me so happy. Yeah, so it's it's the best. Uh, please go check out her blog. There's a ton of great recipes on it, a ton of great tips, a ton of great like gluten free vegan stuff. Uh, Ton of like mocktails, just a, a, a really good variety of recipes and tips and advice. Uh, Liz, is there a, anywhere else people can find you online that you want to know, or is that kind of kind of it? I'm on Instagram at oh, E2 Bakes Brooklyn. Um, yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us, and I hope you have a good Thanksgiving. Thank you. You too. Yeah. Something I didn't cover with Liz is the origin of eating turkey on Thanksgiving. There's a mythology to turkey. In school, I was taught that the Wampanoag Native Americans and New England settlers shared the bird at what we call the first Thanksgiving. That probably wasn't true, as early texts just referred to deer and fowl on the menu. Fowl could have been, and probably was, duck or goose, according to Smithsonian scholars. The origin of turkey on Thanksgiving has a pretty boring, more practical story behind it. They're big honking birds. They can feed a large family, and since they weren't raised for eggs, they were relatively expendable, meaning they were cheap. As East Coasters moved farther west, they took these traditions with them, which helped create the myth of the first Thanksgiving. Abraham Lincoln was also apparently fond of the bird and would have it as part of Thanksgiving each year. Since he was the president to declare Thanksgiving a national holiday in 1863, he probably had some effect on this tradition. His declaration had a lot to do with restoring a sense of unity after the Civil War, and the holiday was not widely celebrated until the Reconstruction years later. So yeah, that's the deal with turkey. They're big and cheap, and folks talked about them, and it was a nicer story than what actually happened uh, with the whole Native American stuff. Anyway. Finally, NetherRealm did a very cool thing this week by introducing the classic MK movie skin pack, which replaces the models and voices for Sonya Blade, Johnny Cage, and Raiden you might be used to in Mortal Kombat 11 with the faces and voices you might remember from the 1995 cult classic Mortal Kombat film. For Sonya Blade's part, you'll be able to replace noted transphobe and one-time Sandy Hook truther Ronda Rousey with Bridget Wilson's superior vibes and performance. Christopher Lambert reprises his role as Raiden in a much more fun but still pretty over-the-top version of The God of Thunder. 
Kerry Tagawa, who played Shang Tsung in the film, provided the default voice and face model for Mortal Kombat 11's version of the character, so it'll be fun to see him go toe-to-toe with the original Highlander. Lyndon Ashby's turn as Johnny Cage was pretty much perfect in 1995, so it's good to see him back in the role. I'm not sure I've ever defeated Goro in a Mortal Kombat game without saying, Those are $500 sunglasses, eh? The pack is out now and will run you uh, $5.99. That's all for Fanby News. I love this show. I love doing the show. I hope you do too. Give it a like. Give it a subscribe when you can. Please have a very safe holiday. Wear a mask. Don't do anything silly. Check out all of our great podcasts over at fanbyte.com slash podcasts. Hey, we have a store now. You can buy merch. You can check it out at store.fanbyte.com. You can use promo code, promo code. <laughs> That's all one word, promo code, to save 10% on your first purchase of $50 or more. We have really cool shirts. We have stickers. We have a placemat to, for your pets to eat and drink on. It's perfect. Uh, the first drop of new uh, merch uh, will last until December 31st. So get new stuff while you can. A new set will uh, drop the next day on January 1st. Hey, take it easy, y'all, and I will see you back here next week.